So in the gospel, Jesus tells the apostles, specifically Simon and his brother Andrew, to become fishers of men. And so in a sense, by extension, he's telling us to become fishers of men. So naturally, this raises the question, how does this happen? What does this mean? How can I become a fisher of men? I don't even know how to fish fish. How can I fish men? Well, we can look at skills that we can develop. We can look at areas that we can improve upon. One simple way of doing this is breaking it down into physical, emotional, and intellectual, and spiritual. You know, we can have all sorts of goals to improve our sleep habits, our exercise habits, our nutrition, get a gym membership, sign up for a marathon, all these physical things we can do. And if we do these things, we'll become better fishermen. We can improve our emotional lives, our relationships, spend more time with loved ones, maybe get some therapy, maybe do social media fast. Social media sure is toxic for our emotional health. If I do these things, I'll become a better fisherman. I'll be able to fish and maybe even fish for men. Our intellectual lives, read 10 good Catholic books. We can listen to good intellectual podcasts, replace bad music with classical music. We can take classes. And of course, our spiritual life, we can develop good spiritual habits, daily holy hour, monthly confession, maybe perform three devotions a day. We can uproot vice. We can develop virtue. If we do these things, we'll, maybe we'll be fulfilling God's command to become better fish, to become fishermen, maybe even fishermen of men. Because, you know, Jesus said to them, become... Oh, wait a second. He didn't say become fishermen. He said, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. The commandment here isn't to become fishermen. The commandment is to come after me. To come after Jesus. Now, if I fooled you, don't feel bad. I, earlier, a couple days ago, I, I do physical therapy with a very faithful LDS man. And he asked me, what are you going to preach about this weekend? And at first I said to him, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, it's the, the gospel reading is the calling of Simon and, and Andrew. And so I'll say something about that. And it's not totally fleshed out yet. And then later I asked him, do you, do you know by chance, do you know what, what Jesus said to them? And he thought and he said, his, his answer was, become fishers of men. I said, yep, you walked right into my trap. <laughs> That's not what he says. But that is what we think oftentimes, that Jesus tells us to become fishers of men or to save ourselves or improve ourselves or what have you. We turn Christianity into a self-help program. Not quite. So what does this mean, to come after Jesus? You know, there, there's the simple image of going up the mountain so that we can be with Jesus, with, with God up in the mountain. And even, you know, folks that will try to equalize or equate all religions, they'll say, well, all religions are just different paths up the same mountain. But up in, on top of the mountain, we're all looking at the same God. That's not Christianity. 
Christianity is God comes down the mountain, comes into our mess, our brokenness, and heals it from within as he carries us up the mountain. So we need to learn not how to become fishermen. We need to learn how to follow Jesus. That's the key. We hear this in the gospel, in the, in the psalm. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior. Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your love are from of old. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. See this last line here. To follow Jesus is the humble path, is the path of humility. To make ourselves into fishermen, to improve ourselves, to save ourselves. These are all exercises in pride, in self-reliance. We want the path of the humble. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. The other day, I was talking to somebody and about, about things like this, and we were talking about the kind of the try, fail, surrender framework. So we try to follow God, we try to do things for God, but inevitably we're gonna fail. And the fail, the failure, can become a source of discouragement, or we can see the failure as a stepping stone towards surrender, to surrender to God, because that's, that's what That's what part of this all entails, to continue to try to fail and to surrender. Not surrender in the sense of to give up, but surrender to align ourselves with the Lord, to give permission to the Lord to do what he wills. And then he pushed back a bit saying, wait a second, but sometimes I'm just lazy. You know, I can just I can just do it. The reason why I'm failing is just because. I didn't try hard enough, or I wasn't clever enough, or what have you. And, okay, one example, maybe exercise, you know. I just, I just know what I need to do. I need to exercise, and I need to eat healthier. I just don't do it. So it's my fault that I keep failing. I just need to, to do this, to man up and do it. Okay, surely there are things that we can do. But there's this space in between the, these two areas. The, the failing, the recognizing, that, or the failing, the trying and failing. And then there's, okay, but what can I do differently? There's this space in between here that's the key and that we usually overlook. We usually just go from problem to solution. There's space in the middle here called something like relationship or prayer or intimacy, that it's, it can just be a little sliver. We can just say, oh, I failed, God help me, oh, now I go out to the gym. We can just make that really, really small, or we can enlarge in it and make it grow and grow and grow. 
As St. John, John Damascene, great, ch- 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 great doctor of the church, said, Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God. As in this space here in between, not, oh, I need to fix myself so that I can raise my mind and heart to God. I need to fix myself so that I can climb up the mountain and deal with God. No. I, I fail. Now I'm in this space here where I can go into the heart of Christ. And this space can grow and grow and grow and grow. This is the Christian path. This is the way of the humble. Let me give you an image based on our liturgy. We use incense and mass oftentimes. Frankincense, a type of incense, is actually the blood of a tree, the sap of a tree. And we extract that by repeatedly wounding the tree. So as we do this, we wound the tree, blood comes forth. And then that's eventually hardened and turned into, into pellets. And the pellets by themselves are useless. They're dead. They're odorless. But then the priest in the person of Christ places that pellet, that dead pellet, into a hot coal, the coal of divine charity. Now that pellet is melted and released as sweet fragrance. And that fragrance, that smoke, is offered to God in worship, offered to the Father. Now, of course, this is a symbol here. The priest placing all of our wounds, the wounds of the priest and also of the people, of the people, placing those wounds, the blood, the sap, onto the divine, onto the coal of divine charity, onto the coal of Christ. And Christ transforms that and offers it to the Father. And this is, of course, grounded on the cross. This is exactly what happened to Jesus himself. He was beaten repeatedly. And the beating, the scourging by itself is lifeless, is odorless. But instead, he offers himself to the Father as pleasing sacrifice. This sacrifice of Christ is represented in the Mass. There's a word in the Song of Songs, a word for ravished. The phrase is like this. You have ravished, or in other translators, cap- translations, captivated or stolen. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You, my bride, have ravished my heart. You have captivated or ravished my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. That same word, ravish, is used outside the Bible in Hebrew literature at the time to describe the stripping of the bark of a tree. Of course, the bark is that defensive layer of the tree that protects the sap, the blood. Once that bark is stripped, now the underlayer is exposed. This is what happened to Christ. Stripped repeatedly, the underlayer exposed. 
No defenses, no walls. Full surrender. Total vulnerability. Allowing himself to be exposed. By whom? By his bride. You have ravished my heart, my bride. By his bride's own woundedness, brokenness, sinfulness. By his own desire to rescue her and to save her. This all happened on the cross. And now it happens again. Our own brokenness being the instrument by which Christ's bark is stripped and he is exposed. Now he doesn't push us away. He receives all of that. He receives our woundedness, our brokenness, our sinfulness and transforms it and offers it to the Father. And this is what allows us to do the same. Christ doesn't quite strip our bark down. The metaphor maybe breaks down a bit. That's not how he takes away our defenses. Rather, as St. John the Cross says, he loves us into letting go. He melts away our defenses would be a better image. So for us, the path forward isn't how do I make myself fisherman? How do I put on stronger armor, stronger defenses so that I can take on the world? No. It's to follow Jesus to allow him to melt away our defenses. To recognize that we can be safe with him when we're totally exposed. And the more we do this, the more that we're united to him. Yes, him on the cross. And also, yes, him resurrected and ascended to the Father. He takes away our wounds. He places them on the coal of divine charity. And he offers them into the Father as worthy worship. Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men.